0: Well, good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, whatever time of day it is when you may tune in. This is Minister Kay Mortimer with Covenant Truth Ministries, and welcome to you today. Thank you for joining me, and I pray this is a blessing to you. Today I'd like to continue with Lesson 5 of our Hanukkah, Christmas, and the Light of the World series. Today, as we move closer in to see the light of the world now actually be born into the world. Let's consider first one other item concerning Mary. When Mary visited Elizabeth, we know she traveled to the hill country of Judah where Zacharias and Elizabeth lived. We also know that Zacharias, being a Levitical priest, a son of Aaron, he and Elizabeth did not have their own inherited land. The Torah designated that certain towns or cities in the allotment of the tribal communities and the tribes be granted to them for places for them to live and raise their families, their crops, their livestock, etc. Those specified towns or cities are identified in each of the tribal allotments given out by Joshua for the hill country of Judea from the tribes of Judah, Benjamin, and Simeon. Only certain cities could be where Zacharias and Elizabeth lived. In among the listing given to us in Joshua chapter 21, verse 9 through 19, one of those nine or 13 cities, depending on whether you include Benjamin's territory or not, could have been their hometown, but it must have been one of those cities. The most prominent among these is Hebron. Although we do not have proof that that was the town of John the Baptist upbringing, his hometown, it does seem to be a possibility. It's a very strong possibility, and for me personally, I believe it's the favorite, in my opinion. We can't prove that, and that may be a disagreement, but it had to be one of those cities listed by Joshua in Joshua 21, and the most prominent of those is Hebron. Also, I find it interesting that one of the practices of the temple service among the Levites and priests is to daily stand atop the southwest corner of the temple when it stood and examine the sun's rising to see if the light of the sun had reached all the way to Hebron. There was a priest or a Levite that would go atop The wall of the temple, stand on the southwest corner and look to see, has the light of the day spring, of the dawning of the sun reached all the way to Hebron? When they could say yes, that gave them the green light, so to speak, to begin the temple services for that day and open the gates to the temple worshipers for that day new day. In essence, it was a way of saying the light has reached Hebron, so it's a new day. Open the gates and let the new day's services begin. I just find this fascinating, especially in correlation with Mary's visit to Elizabeth While the light of the world, who Zacharias later in Luke 1 calls the day spring from on high, now is reaching into the hill country of Judea, very likely going to Hebron. I just find that to be absolutely fascinating, that connection. We're not necessarily told it is Hebron, but we are told that she traveled to see Elizabeth to the hill country of Judea. One of which cities he could have lived in was Hebron. And then to have the temple servants, the Levites and the priests, watching every day to see when they could start that new day's service, when officially they were able to begin it, was when they could say that the light of the sun had reached all the way to Hebron. Jesus' arrival as the light of the world inside Mary's womb in physical form as a human being but yet divine signifies the new day in God's calendar because the light of the world has now officially come to give light to the world, Jew and Gentile alike. Now let's see how that light that entered into Mary's womb has grown and now officially is born as the babe in the manger, the miracle of the light of the world, entering the world as a human being, 100% God and 100% human, or in other words, Emmanuel, God with us. The glory of the Lord, the revealed light of the world, arrives and lays in an animal's feeding trough in a lowly town of Bethlehem. Yet he is the source of all light coming as the shamash candle commemorated through Hanukkah. So let's see a bit of that development through to the official light of the world's coming to Bethlehem. So I want to begin the reading today in the passage of the beloved Christmas story for most Christians. Luke chapter 2 beginning in verse 1. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, good will toward men. So it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds said to one another, Let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. Now, when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all those who heard it marveled at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. Then the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told them. This passage is read by millions every Christmas. It's a beloved story that we typically refer to as the Christmas story. It tells of the birth of this light of the world coming into the world. Notice a few things here that we're told. A baby arrives. The light of the world that we've been talking about that was prophesied by God through Gabriel to Mary around Hanukkah time. The light that Hanukkah celebrates representative of the light of the world, now has entered Mary's womb at approximately the time of Hanukkah. And now the light of the world, nine months later, around probably Sukkot Tabernacles, is born. And he is born in Bethlehem, as Micah prophesied, to the daughter of Jerusalem, to the Virgin Mary, as Isaiah and Micah both have prophesied. Notice another prophecy, and this is the one I was referring to in Micah. Many people miss this, but it's hidden in plain sight, in other words. It's right here in the scriptures, and it tells us more than I think we've ever realized before. Micah chapter 4, verse 8 says this, And you, O tower of the flock, the stronghold of the daughter of Zion, to you shall it come, even the former dominion shall come, the kingdom of the daughter of Jerusalem. Now what is this talking about? If you read chapter 4 and into chapter 5, you will see that this is talking about the coming of the Messiah and the Messiah King in his kingdom to reign. So we find out that when this babe comes in the manger at Bethlehem, not only is it fulfilling Micah chapter 5 verse 2, which told that he would come to Bethlehem Ephratah, and the one who would come is the one who is from everlasting to everlasting. In other words, it's God coming in the flesh. But we're also told here in Micah 4, 8, perhaps even where he comes, and it is this place known as the Tower of the Flock where the manger lay that will fulfill Micah's prophecy here. This tower of the flock is the Migdal Edar. And it is known to us because it is the same place, the same area, where Jacob had traveled with Rachel, his wife, and she fell into hard labor around this tower of the flock in that area, in the Bethlehem area and when she had that baby, she ended up dying in that delivery. But the baby still lived, and that was Benjamin, was the child's name that Jacob gave to the child. Rachel had named him Ben-Oni, son of my sorrow, son of my pain, but Jacob changed the name to Ben-Yamin, the son of my right hand. And Rachel died in this area. So the scripture tells us there in Genesis that Jacob then pitched his tent toward this tower of the flock or in that area. So that's how we know about this Migdal Edar. What was this? It was a strong tower, watchtower, for the shepherds in that area. Now if you're interested, you can learn a little bit more as I go into more of the details of this in my treasures of the nativity christmas study in one of those episodes but the shepherds in that area knew of this watchtower this tower of the flock it's in ruins today probably even non-existent at this point today but you can see the area where it stood but micah is telling us here that this tower of the flock this midgal edom is the place, it says, to you shall it come, even the former dominion shall come. So notice here that this is telling us the first dominion. What this whole chapter context is about is the Messiah coming as king and his coming kingdom. If you read before and if you read after, you'll see that he's talking about the time when Messiah will come, or for us as Christians, we know it as his second coming when he comes in the book of Revelation. And even here, it alludes to that, that the first dominion, his first coming, will be to this tower of the flock in this area of Bethlehem. And in the latter days will be the second coming and the final fulfillment of all of this in his final dominion reign in his eternal kingdom. This carries on all the way through to Micah 5. To, and even to Micah 5.5, because we know that in Micah 5.5, he tells us about this coming one, and he says, this one shall be peace. And we know that to be Yahweh, Shalom, Jesus. Paul calls Jesus our peace in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 14. And even the angels to the shepherds here said, peace to all the world. Peace has now come and appeared. So from what I can gather in scripture, it is telling us that this manger is at the Tower of the Flock. The shepherds would know the Migdalidar. The shepherds used this Tower of the Flock as a watchtower, but also they would bring the pregnant ewes to that Tower of the Flock when it was time for them to birth their lambs. And these were temple shepherds who were raising the flock that would be destined to be killed as sacrificial lambs in the temple. These were temple shepherds. And they knew it when the angel told them, this will be the sign to you. You, you shepherds, you temple shepherds, you who know what I'm talking about, you who know the tower of the flock, you will find this babe wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger, so they knew exactly where to go. They knew exactly how they would birth and care for the lambs born destined for sacrifice in the temple at this Tower of the block. and they knew exactly what the angels meant. Notice how God reveals this to them. God sends this angel, and there is bright light associated through the angel and the heavenly host that appear in that dark sky to these shepherds at the very moment of the birth of Jesus, the light of the world. Also, in the same time frame, probably this very same night, there is a star that appears in heaven that is unlike any other star. And there are some people about a thousand miles away that see it and that begin to notice it and start to be intrigued by it, enough that these magi come to visit Jesus about two years later, based on what their words were to Herod in Matthew chapter 2. But the star would have appeared this very night, most likely. What is this star? Many people debate it, and there are lots of theories about alignment of certain constellations or planets or whatever. In my opinion, I probably think, tend to think that it is exactly what the wise men call it in Matthew chapter two. It is his star. It's not anything else. Maybe even just came into creation at that moment. I don't know, but I believe it's probably representative of the Shekinah glory of the Lord. Because the light of the world, the glory of the Lord of heaven is now in that manger on that black night in those fields near Bethlehem. And I don't know exactly where that star appeared, but the Magi noticed it when it appeared. And they arrived somewhere in the neighborhood of two years later to Jerusalem looking for this new king, looking for this one who they said the star belonged to. And we find the record of that in Matthew chapter 2, verse 1 through 2. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. So the Magi even call it his star. And this The reason they call it that is because it fulfills another prophecy. In Numbers chapter 24 Balaam is prophesying here and God told him you can only say what I give you to say. So Balaam this Transjordanian seer God is using him to deliver certain prophetic words and notice in Numbers chapter 24 verse 15 through 17. So he meaning Balaam took up his oracle and said, the utterance of Phalaam, the son of Beor, and the utterance of the man whose eyes are open, the utterance of him who hears the words of God and has the knowledge of the Most High, who sees the vision of the Almighty, who falls down with eyes wide open. I see him, but not now. I behold him, but not near. A star shall come out of Jacob, a scepter shall rise out of Israel and batter the brow of Moab and destroy all the sons of tumult. So here Balaam sees the Almighty. He sees him, but not now. In other words, meaning he's not coming now. He's coming later at a later time. And when he comes, this star will come out of Jacob This star will arise concurring with what Isaiah 60 and Isaiah 42 and other places have prophesied. And this one will also hold the scepter. The scepter shall rise out of Israel. The king, the king is the one who holds the scepter. He is the king of Israel that will come. It fulfills also Genesis chapter 49 verse 8 through 12 which talks about the scepter from Judah the king coming from Judah who will hold the scepter and rule as king. So on this holy night, the savior of the world is born and there are witnesses to this birth. Mary and Joseph, of course, were the witnesses, but also these temple shepherds. They come to worship the newborn king. And then when they have seen him, They go back and they begin to tell about him. They become some of the very first evangelists, so to speak. Soon after this night, we have more witnesses to testify of the light of the world that has come in fulfillment of the messianic prophecy. First, let's go back to Luke chapter 2. Let's pick up the reading in verse 21. And when eight days were completed for the circumcision of the child, his name was called Jesus or Yeshua the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. Now when the days of her purification, according to the law of Moses, were completed, they brought him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord, as it is written in the law of the Lord. Every male who opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord, and to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. He took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared before the face of all peoples, a light to bring revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. And Joseph and his mother marveled at those things which were spoken of him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, Behold, this child is destined for the fall and rising of many in Israel, and for a sign which will be spoken against. Yes, a sword will pierce through your own soul also, that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. Now there was one Anna, a prophetess, the daughter of Phenuel of the tribe of Asher. She was of a great age and had lived with a husband seven years from her virginity. And this woman was a widow of about 84 years, who did not depart from the temple, but served God with fastings and prayers night and day. And coming in that instant, she gave thanks to the Lord and spoke of him to all those who looked for redemption in Jerusalem. So here we see that there are two other witnesses, Simeon and Anna, Mary and Joseph go And they hold his circumcision on the eighth day, which was customary and was demanded by the law so that he would be then known as the son of Abraham, brought into the Abrahamic covenant, like all other Jewish men and boys would have been. And then several days later, at the time of Mary's purification offering and the Pityon Habim ceremony for the boys, the redemption of the firstborn ceremony, they go to the temple, and at this visit, they encounter these other two witnesses. Simeon actually quotes the connection with the Old Testament prophecy in his prayer of thanksgiving to God. He talks about God bringing that light, the glory, and that light to the Gentiles and to the world. Right after this event, it seems that they apparently either rent a home or buy a home in Bethlehem, and they are there until we have the Magi come. The Magi's visit happens, and they find them in the house at Jesus' age of about two years, and then the angel warns Joseph to take the child and flee to Egypt. And then after their flight to Egypt, they return at Herod's death, And they go to Nazareth, and this was probably about 1 B.C. or so, and Jesus should have been about two years old, perhaps. Maybe he was a little bit older than that. We're not told how long they were in Egypt. But approximately two years old, the Magi come, and then after that, they have to go to Egypt, and then after Herod's death, somewhere around 1 B.C., although that's debated, they return back and go to Nazareth. Jesus grows up in Nazareth fulfilling Isaiah 7:15 and Isaiah 11:1 he's growing up as the tender plant meaning he's a child growing to maturity growing to adulthood he's eating curds and honey meaning he was a common person he was he was not rich and ritzy he was a poorer person common eating and living as a common childhood with his family and he was from Nazareth so that he could fulfill the prophecy that he would be called the Nazarene. He was the branch from the town named after the Netzer. He prepares for his bar mitzvah, which would happen at age 13, and we have evidence of that at the end of Luke, if we continue the reading, beginning in verse 39 of Luke chapter two. He's 12 years old at this time in the temple, and he amazes the scholars and the rabbis But it was because of who he was. And that's where we want to go now as we draw to a close for this particular message in our Hanukkah series. Because we have others who testify. Let's turn now and read in John chapter 1, beginning in verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it or overtake it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. This man came for a witness, to bear witness of the light that all through him might believe. not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness of him and cried out, saying, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me is preferred before me, for he was before me. And of its fullness we have all received and grace for grace. For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has seen God at any time. The only begotten son who is in the bosom of the father, he has declared him. So another testimony of the light of the world that has now come occurs about 30 years later through the mouth and the ministry of John the Baptist the one that Mary had visited that was in Elizabeth's womb when Mary made her trip to the hill country of Judea. I have a series entitled Wilderness Man at the Jordan if you're interested in learning more about John the Baptist and his role in God's redemptive plan. Jesus is that baby in the manger that we honor at Christmas. He is also the light of the world that Hanukkah commemorates in shadow form. He is the substance of it. The light of the world has now come for all who will believe. I pray that this has been a blessing to you and that, Lord willing, you can join us again for the remainder of our episodes concerning Hanukkah, Christmas, and the light of the world. God bless you today. In Jesus' name, amen.